check it out, show. Hey yo, everywhere that I go, brothers know my fucking name. DJ Crumble on the beat. Flipping out radio. The following is a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Uh, we all need a lesson in sensitivity. <laughs> That's not New Jersey. We should respect others' opinions. We should respect uh, constructive discussion and debate. And that part I did see and I don't like. And I don't think we should feel good about that. As you can see, I'm, uh, I'm uh, low on the gas tank on the voice side. Perfectly legal. Quiet, numbskulls, I'm broadcasting. All right, heavens, and welcome in to Flipping Out Radio, the most American podcast ever created. I'm very downtrodden this Sunday morning, and, uh, and it's fucked up in a lot of ways because I should be happy. I should have some wind in my sails. It's the holiday season. Steve Cohen is buying the Mets, which is great. It looks like they're finally not going to be hamstrung by financial issues. But the reason I'm downtrodden is the podcast that I recorded yesterday with Mike Montone was great. It was amazing. It was one of those that, you know what, you think to yourself, there is something that I can contribute within this radio landscape. Now, mind you, the most important thing that I feel I contributed was how hard I laughed at something Mike said in response to a question I had about sex blow-up dolls. But we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Um, Unfortunately and very sadly, and without any sort of excuse or anything other than a total mea culpa I had the mics muted I literally had both microphones on mute the entire time we did like an hour of podcast and we took a break we got our second beer a little bit of smoke break outside I came back I sat down and I said to Mike I said oh you uh You muted the mics. And he said, I didn't touch anything. And immediately I was just like, fuck. So I checked the file. Of course, it was no audio. So I tried to contain my uh, embarrassment and rage. And Mike and I put another 30 minutes or so in the can. I didn't tell him. I didn't tell him until today because I didn't want to ruin the whole thing. And I mean, Mike's not like that, but I would have been even more upset having told him. So I pretended like it didn't happen, and we did some radio. But, uh, yeah, it sucks. I mean, I, I was asking him, there's this company that makes 3D molded custom sex dolls now. And apparently, in really creepy fashion, you could even get, like, your ex or whatever. But... I was asking Mike about, like, what celebrity he would get. And he was like, you know, it was funny right away. He was like, oh, Mila Kunis. Right away, he was, it was funny. <laughs> I guess you had to be there. No, so um, he said that, and I was like, well, what happens if the radio show you work on 
you know, like Ashton Kutcher came in as a, as a guest sometime. And he go, uh, you know, he said, well, I'm not going to tell him that I have that. Anyway, the, the extent to which I was dying, look, I'm not going to try to recreate the whole episode. It's, it's pathetic enough as it is. But um, we do have a little bit of audio here that I'm going to add at the end of this, um, you know, pathetic admission. And then you'll hear what, what we talked about, at least in part. But Chris is sitting with me here out on the stoop. No? No? You're not here? Okay, he's not here. Well, because I wanted to ask you if you know who Van Halen is. No. Do you, you don't know who Van Halen is? No, I don't. You do? Yeah. So do you think that Billie Eilish, when she said on Jimmy Kimmel that she doesn't know him, do you think that was like a made-up thing to create a viral moment? Because that was sort of like Mike and I's potential theory, was that they were like, okay, he'll ask you about some bands that he liked to listen to growing up, and why don't you just pretend like you don't even know him? Isn't that crazy? Isn't that zany? You're only 20 years old. You know, that type of thing. No, I think that Billie Eilish is great. I love her. You like Billie Eilish? I do. Yeah, but what about the fact that you didn't know who Van Halen is? Do you think that's legit? Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I made the argument on the tape that's lost to the uh, radio gods for all time that... In this day and age, you don't get audio the same way. Like, it's not like you're listening to oldies radio stations. You're not watching VH1. You're listening to YouTube and shit. And you, you seek out what you want to seek out. It's much more customized. The whole content experience, it really gives people way too much control when you think about it. You know, 20 years ago, you turned on the TV. All you could do was change the channel and the volume. It's not like you got to tell it what to, what to put on for you. Like YouTube. Too much control in modern society. That's why everybody's such a piece of shit. Oh my god. You know what I'm saying? Sure. How's your coffee there? Good. All right. So anyway, I guess I'll uh, wrap this up. Having mentioned that we talked about the whole Van Halen and Billie Eilish thing, um, that gets alluded to to a certain extent. Uh, you know, we talked about the sex dolls, which apparently those are called real dolls. Yeah, I had no idea they're called real dolls. Apparently. And, uh, you know, this is one of those seminal moments in the podcast's history where it really gets me thinking about all that I'm doing and my approach to the whole thing and how I've really let it slack. And for me to lose a recording like that when I only do it once every month or two months or whatever really fucking sucks. And it just underscores how stupid it is that I don't do it more often and how it's not supposed to be anything crazy or, or master PC. It's about just doing radio and talking, putting it in the can. And I got to start doing that more often. Um, so anyway, I've said that before. Hopefully I really fucking mean it this time. You know, it's almost like a 2020 New Year's resolution type thing, which I don't usually do resolutions. So maybe the fact that I actually have one this year, which will be to podcast and podcast often. Maybe since I'll actually have one this year, I'll stick to it. Chris just rolled his eyes. So it goes to show you what he thinks. I got a lot of confidence. Uh, people around me ha seem to have a lot of confidence in me, which is nice. Any thoughts? All right, he's not saying anything. He's purposefully not saying anything. Heaven's very good, and uh, enjoy what we have here, and it's the most American podcast ever created. Yeah, so what do you think of uh, 
all the shit with um he's gay the <laughs> you think so the, new, yeah, the guy that's no. probably gonna buy the mess <laughs> um i i don't know i heard he was like involved in, i don't i don't give as long as he's a good uh good owner, owner i don't give a shit yeah no apparently um he uh is gonna you know have deep pockets be totally into uh playing with the big boys as far as the whole uh you know spending is concerned nice so yeah i mean i you know the thing i'll say about being a sports fan and being a baseball fan in particular is that it's always sort of hung over your head as like this thing that exists you know what i mean the notion that they're not trying as hard as they possibly could to win the mets yeah any team that you're possibly rooting for that lives in a non salary cap world it's a thing where if they're not spending as much money as they possibly could yeah you kind of feel like a sucker for rooting for them well with the, the will ponds it was so ongoing um it was a constant yeah i mean i mean to the point where it was like almost satire right um I don't know if that's. The, I mean, I only I only really root for two t- the the Mets and the Cowboys. Uh, obviously, Jerry Jones will spend pretty much. Fucking yeah, you don't anything. have to worry about that. Yeah, um, the the Cowboys go out of their way to try to win, and then just find hilarious ways to fuck it up. Yeah. Um. But um. Yeah. So. Yeah, I guess with the, with the Will Ponds, it just became absurd. I don't know if that's the case with like other owners. Like, I guess there are, there are probably teams where like. You know, they do, again, like the Cowboys, like, we're like, there's, the commitment to winning is there, like, but they just, they find ways to, you know, hilariously. Now, what are you, what are your thoughts right now on the whole, everything that's going on with the Cowboys? Um, I, you know, I know everyone wants to hang this shit on, uh, Jason Garrett, but it, a lot of the shit feels like, there are times when the offensive play calling has been a little frustrating, and they're a tad predictable on, on defense, there, but the thing is, so much of it has been execution. Like, Brett Maher mix, missing fucking kicks yeah. is, that's a bit, I mean, they like they lost to the, the Bears on Thursday night, and it was like, they put points on on the board for sure. Like, they uh, missed field goal, that's, all right, three points now. Um, those three points, and they, they would have actually been in a position to tie the game, um, Instead of having to kick a field goal and then onside kick, they would have been it would have been a touchdown. They, they would a differential, and they would have just been able to continue. They were driving the ball. They had the ball down at like the fucking twenty, and they kicked the field goal early so they could onside kick and try to get the uh, the touchdown on like a you know a deep pass or something like that. But they they don't tackle. They're it's they're they're like it's weird. They're uh, they're like a fucking. Top, uh, like a, I think like number, number eight defense, like a top, close to the fucking top defensively, but against the run, they're like 18th. Yeah. Um, so it's just, it's very, uh, they're very weird. Like they jumping off sides on third and two gives them a first down. Um, jumping off sides on third and nine. Create third and four. So I mean, it sounds like you don't down. want to put it on the coach, but there are aspects of it that you can't ignore. There are always back down to coaching. There are always going to be aspects of an underperforming team that come back to coaching because yeah. the coach is the one that's fucking responsible for all of this stuff. But 
I think as far as his coaching ability and who are you going to find out there? Again, the you know the guy he has had relative some relative success um, in in the past few years, right? Um, he's gotten to the playoffs uh, twice with uh, Dak Prescott quarterback. Uh, the one year they missed, they missed because they lost. Uh, they were they by a game essentially. Um, and that was the year that uh, Ezekiel Elliott was suspended for six games. So if you look at that and say, well, without Ezekiel Elliott, and part of uh, they uh, were out without Tyron Smith, so you're like kind of like, okay, so he really has had in recent years, he's had them in position to win, like to get after and win a Super Bowl, or you know, get close. Which is it's fucking hard in the NFL right. to do that. Yeah. So if I, you look back recently, you're, you're kind of like. Well, Relatively speaking, he's been one of the more su- consistently successful coaches over the past like five, six years or so. Um, and then you kind of go back beyond that, and it's like, well, the year the Giants won uh, their most re- uh, most recent Super Bowl, that would have been the Cowboys in that playoff spot, spot if not for Miles Austin losing a ball in the lights. So you're like, all right, you were, you know, a few points away from unseating. The fu- the eventual Super Bowl champions that year. Like, if you can have that, like, cons- it's frustrating that they haven't made it to a conference championship or a Super Bowl. But at the same time, if you can consistently have a guy that's going to put you in a position to get to that, then I don't know if it's worth nah, look, getting rid of him you're right. and starting with a new coaching staff. There's a lot to be said for the grass is not always greener yeah. in the NFL. And I think the Giants are living with that right now. Not yeah. to say that they shouldn't have you wouldn't potentially have, moved on from Coughlin because you, maybe you move on from because you get a little a, a little older. A little, that's the only but thing. Again, I got you get a fucking coach that's beat Bill Belichick twice. It's fair. It's fair. I mean, I, I think that there was a lot of the problem with the whole Giant situation was there was enough dysfunction where they couldn't make a decision on what it was that was really holding them back. And in a lot of ways, I think it was a refusal to commit to one of two things. Either you have to double down on the offensive line and in every single way put resources towards that being a significant aspect of your team, whether yeah. it's draft capital, uh, coaching, um, you know, the, the way you run your offense, whatever it may be, something that puts the offensive line in a position to succeed. Which, by the way, it has to be. If You, you can't be a good NFL team without an offensive line. That's fair. But, I mean, I, I think that the one thing you can say is that if you have a quarterback who runs enough of that RPO dynamic, can I'm going to make things happen can, in and of myself take, type thing. It can take pressure off of an offensive line. Yes, and it can somewhat downplay. You can't have a completely incompetent. You could one. be an average. If you can do that, you could be an average offensive yes. line. No, I'm not suggesting that you can never have a shit offensive line and yeah. still be a good off NFL team. I'm not saying the that. Giants have had a useless offensive line. Yes, yes, but even this year, um, with regards to you know how it's showed some improvement, it, you know it it, it 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 either can be or it can't be your undoing. It can't be. Uh, you know, so bad that it gives you no chance at success. What are you doing here? What? Beans is fucking with the soundboard. Don't mess with it. See, this is the problem being inside now. Um, 
the problem with the Giants is they never invested the draft capital. They also never really went with any sort of changes to their coaching staff or any sort of like, you know, strategy. Um, outside of like the early part of the McAdoo years to really kind of put the whole situation in a place where it can succeed. And the biggest problem I think they have now is that they've sort of fallen into the um, mentality ranks of being an also ran. And one of the one of the problems you have with pro sports is that you have these destinations that some guys end up going to where it's kind of just like a paycheck. And it's kind of just like, eh, you know what? Now, I don't think the Giants have completely fallen to that level yet. Um, I think that they have the ability to sort of turn things around because they have enough of a standard as a franchise where they can kind of wash that out. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a new I don't new think there's York. anybody who's dying to win in a Giants uniform right now. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they just... Uh, yeah, they just, they're just not very good. <laughs> that's the only way to fucking like look at but it. But there like, can't be this bad either. That's the thing. Like you, the 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 talent gap in the NFL yeah, is not it's, so it's significant. Ra- no, it's razor thin. It's everyone in the NFL is an elite athlete. Yeah. Um, and I think if you have the whole like you know, we're sort of in the tank to begin with mentality, that's very hard to overcome. Yeah. Um, the Jets have dealt with that for years. The Browns have dealt with that for years. The Patriots somehow overcame it. Through basically Bill Belichick they and like built, the Tom well, he, Brady they, era, he built a program, and that's what that that goes to part of like my thing about like a guy like Jason Garrett is like, look, I kind of like the idea of keeping a coach around for a long time, and you know, just like working and putting pieces in place. Like w- one of the frustrating things this year about the Cowboys has been that it, this was a year that felt like most. Like pretty much every piece was in yeah, place I agree. to win a Super Bowl. Yeah, um, and they really—if you look at the way that—I mean, the fucking Dak's having a freak year. Um, Zeke is uh, is having he's in. They've been playing from behind a lot, so there are a lot of games where he hasn't got as many carries because they haven't been running the ball. But relatively speaking, he's he's been having a very good season. Yeah, um, you know, it's like. It's like figuring out why. Like they keep losing these stupid fucking. Even the, G- the game they lost to the Jets, they um, they lost. They were getting blown out, and they wound up losing by, um, I think it was like three points or something. Like it's just it's. They've had like these flashes of like oh if this Dallas Cowboys team shows up, you're like ah oh, it's gonna be fucking great, right? But so it's like yeah, I don't um, I don't know that you know the. Yeah, I, I like like Belichick just staying and building brick by fucking brick. Like they really, he pieces things together. Yeah, and I think there's just so much to be. By said By the way, for, did you see the video clip of his son who sounds exactly fucking like him? Um, I didn't exactly. Wa- I didn't like watch him. it. I saw it screen grabbed. That's <laughs> so great. I mean, he's got the exact same like. Yeah, I mean, you know, I uh, I enjoy growing up and watching film, and you know, it's just you know. Yeah, that's what football coaches should be like. <laughs> I love I love football coaches who don't have much to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really the way it should be. Um, all right, so I just want to kind of do a recap of some of the things. To go back to the Van Halen thing. Okay? Yeah. So Billy Eilish. Should know who Van Halen is. Didn't know who Van Halen was. Should on, know who Van Halen is. On uh, Jimmy Kimmel. Um, I just think that, you know, that's that's one of those bands. It's not quite at the level. 
where you're absolutely going to know. And it has a lot to do with the way media is delivered. It has nowadays. everything to do with the fa- but it doesn't matter because they're so fucking cheesy that they're they exist constantly in the lexicon. You really think so? Yes. You really think that you're still going to stadiums nowadays and you're hearing yeah. Van Halen or whatever. Of course. Um I don't know. You know, by the way, uh speaking of music, uh, did you see Willie Nelson? Originally, it was reported that he's no longer smoking. Yes. That he quit weed. But that's actually not true. he quit weed. I thought he's no longer smoking it. Yes. He's yeah. vaping. Yeah. And I guess maybe ingesting edibles. edibles yeah. and, you, you, and now they have the oils and the... Now, yeah, did you see that he blamed it on, which I found so fascinating. I didn't even know this was a thing. Uh, partially, obviously, uh, years of having smoked joints and stuff, but also cigarettes and cedar bark. Apparently, he smoked cedar bark as a younger man. Have you ever heard of that? I, no. That sounds like... What, I guess you like chop it up and sort of make a cigar of cedar bark? <laughs> That's fucking what gnarly. Is, what effect does it give you? I don't know. Uh, let's see. Smoking cedar bark. Willie Nelson quit smoking, but not marijuana. That's funny. That's all the things come up here about him. Um, started smoking Cedar Park. Uh, I, there's spiritual aspects to it, I guess. Um, definitely like a Native American thing to some extent. I don't know. I don't know what it does for you. Interesting. What happens? Smoke Cedar Park. I don't know. Doesn't really say. I think it's more of like a ceremonial thing than anything else. Um, but apparently he grew up smoking, smoking cedar, cedar bark. bark huh? And uh, yeah, that, uh, that that was an aspect of He's things. fucking old though, huh? 80s? Yeah, I mean, how old is he now? Jeez. I think he's in his 80s. Willie Nelson. 86. Yeah. Abbott, Texas. Yeah, so go figure. Uh, now, as far as sticking with some of the sports things I have here to round out sure. what we're talking about, uh, did you hear about this whole thing with Tim Ryan, who I actually used to work with at SiriusXM? Um, he got suspended because he was talking about Lamar Jackson. From uh, where did he get suspended from? His radio station in San Francisco, where he's okay. a color analyst. Okay. He's, an, not an analyst. he's not with Sirius anymore? He's not. Okay, cool. Yeah. But he talked about how um, he was watching film of Lamar Jackson playing yeah. with the Ravens. And he found it especially hard to track where the ball was in all the RPO and run play action stuff that they... Because he's got the dark skin, yeah. the dark jersey, and it was raining, and the ball was That's especially really wet. really interesting. So he got suspended for mentioning that the guy's skin is dark and that that's a factor. That's an absurd thing to get suspended for. Isn't it? That's actually a really interesting... It's fascinating. It is. Because, I mean, that you, is if a, you think that's about a, it... That is an impact on the game. Yeah. And also, if you think about it... Black running back, too? Uh, Yes. So, if yeah. especially if you're running RPO, yeah, real hard to see where that ball is. Tough to see that mesh point. Tough to see where that ball is. That's 
that is it's something worth talking about. Yeah. That's really interesting. It is. And here's a guy who's a sports analyst. He's paid money. Yeah. To come up with interesting and sort of different ways. Oh, this is such a silly thing to be in trouble for. Yeah. Did anyone complain or did the station... Um, how did this I don't out? know exactly how that all came to be. Pull up the article. Well, let's see. Um, I have to pull find it an, up. I have to find an article on pull it. Pull it up. Let's, let's, let's see. Tim Ryan. Ravens reacts. Radio's analyst apologizes. Uh, all right. Radio analyst Tim Ryan apologizes to 49ers players for Lamar Jackson comments. Uh, let's see if I can get down. They've got the first take team here talking about it. I'm trying to get down to the actual article. Uh, Richard Sherman commented on it. All right, after the San Francisco 49ers. What did Richard Sher- Sherman say? Like, he actually was more on the side of, like, this is ridiculous. Not, yeah, I would think so. He was more on the side of, like, he could have used better language or I something. I think anyone but, involved in football would be on the side of this is absurd. So after the San Francisco 49ers suspended analyst Tim Ryan for a game for saying that Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson's dark skin helps him disguise a dark football when running fake handoffs and Baltimore zone read heavy offense. He apologized to players and members of the organization's team at a hotel. Uh, those apologies were apparently well-received by Niners players who spoke to the media Thursday after the comments went public. Richard Sherman said, I know Tim personally. I've listened to the dialogue and saw it written, and honestly, I wasn't as outraged as everybody else. I understand how it can be taken to a certain extent and be offensive to some, but if you're saying, hey, this is a brown ball, they're wearing dark colors, and he has a brown arm, honestly, sometimes we were having trouble seeing it on film. He's making a play fake, and sometimes he's swinging his arm really fast, and you're like, okay, does he have the ball on that play? And then you look up at Mark Ingram's running it. So it was technically a valid point, but you can always phrase things better. You can always phrase things and not say his black skin. I guess he went to extreme measures to justify why our ball handling is great, Ingram's had said on Friday. He went to extreme measures that really didn't make sense. Um, Sherman said he has a relationship with Ryan since he signed with the Niners in late 2018, said Ryan has never been anything but a great guy and a professional guy, takes his job seriously, Uh, asked if it was difficult to find the ball when the Ravens ran zone replays against the Niners. Sherman said it was. Jackson rushed 16 times for 100 yards and a touchdown. Career high, 70 of those coming via zone read plays. Yeah. <laughs> so. I mean, it's just very interesting in the sense that now, look, the only thing about that that also will kind of piss you off besides just the obvious. And this is not the kind of thing that I, I, I hope to make the point that it's not the kind of thing that like bothers me or keeps me up at night Who did the or anything like from? that. It still doesn't say that. Doesn't say. I imagine it was listeners. Yeah. I mean, you got to remember, it's also San Francisco. That's true. Yeah. It'll be tech dickheads. And- but um, the thing that makes it so interesting to me is the clear double standard when it comes to some of the ways like race is discussed in the NFL. And what I mean by that is there's no problem when everybody says stuff like, and again, I could give a shit less about this. I think this kind of thing's funny and is kind of unique. When someone says something like McCaffrey shouldn't be able to move like that for a white boy, which is definitely something that is said in sort of like passing in NFL, uh, their highlight package or like, you know, those like guys like, and I, I don't, I almost don't even want to say who it would be that would say it to like, I'm not trying to slander anybody, but like, you yeah, know what a highlight every, package, yeah, it's always, Emmett it's, Smith is going to be like, 
None of the white running backs I played with moved like that. Or so you know what I mean? And it, no one gives a yeah, fuck. Yeah, no of one course, cares. Yeah. No one cares. But the funny thing is that you can say that kind of thing, but you can't make an actual observation about what may very well be impacting gameplay yeah, as very, evidenced by the stats we quoted. It is very silly. It's just so amazing to me. And you know, I it's just I, I find the world is like so obsessed with race nowadays. Um, oh, everything is about race. my my, and we've talked about this on the podcast before. But some of my coworkers were like bemoaning the fact that uh, Kamala Harris is no longer in the Hilarious. presidential race. Hilarious, and how like oh, it's all so white now. It's so white. People all the candidates t- I are loved, so white. I loved how uh, during like you know every every day, like, the day after every debate, the Kamala she was big on Twitter. Yeah, everyone on Twitter was always talking about Kamala. They were, they were standing her. Yeah, they were the standing Kamala stands. Yeah, the Kamala stands. Um, right. and they all hated Tulsi, and Tulsi fucked her shit up. She did actually. She yeah. really did. That that most recent debate was probably the death knell yeah. for the Kamala. Served it. Um, Barstool. If I could just make a comment about Barstool for sure. a second, because I know we both like Barstool. Um. You had expressed some objection to KFC in regard to the whole Van Halen. Yeah, because uh, he 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 well he was really fucking defending uh, uh, what's her name Billy Eilish Whisper Chick. Yeah, um, yeah, he like had like multiple tweets about it. I think. Um, yeah, and you, I saw it when I like because you know it shows you on Twitter who of your you know people that you follow have liked the tweet, and I think it said James Flippin' and KFC. And I was like, well, they're both fucking idiots. <laughs> the tweet being where I said, uh, or I retweeted one of their kids who said... Uh, yeah, the, the kid Halen Wolf kids. Van Halen, who said, yeah, if if you haven't heard of Van Halen, they're cool. You yeah, should check them out. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, shut up! But see, to me, it was more Boo. about... To me, it was more about just pushing back Boo. against... Uh, the notion like that everybody like a, should know. Every, he sounds like a fucking camp counselor. <laughs> so, speaking about Barstool for up. a second, if I could just Oof. mention, um, I don't really care much for Barstool Pat. Gay Pat. Um, I don't read too much of his shit. Yeah, I, I just, I don't really enjoy or appreciate people who, like, being gay is their brand. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, not that's just not something I'm a big fan of. Yeah. And he's also sort of like the prototypical like yes queen type. You know what I mean? Like is he? I say, I'm not. Uh, I'm not too plugged into. His yeah, shit. yeah. And he had this like anti Chick Fil A uh, article because I guess they uh, donate donated money to the Salvation Army, which has been decided. Yeah, they donate like to. Anti-gay. They donate to. They well, they I guess they stopped doing. They this stopped now. doing that. Uh, but yeah, they donated to a bunch of Christian charities, and obviously a. a you know, Christian organizations aren't going to be on board the, uh, you know, the fucking, the Queen Mary, as yeah. it as it were. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, it's just like, you know, I I don't know. I just, I, it, something about that whole thing rubs me the wrong way. Yeah, I, don't, I never understood the fucking Chick-fil-A shit. Like, it's just, you know, it is what it is. Like, they give a lot of money to organizations and shit. They just don't necessarily donate to your fucking favorite a, LGBTQ fucking thing. It's a, it's a, a fucking, fuck? yeah, like they're fuck you know, they're Christians, like whatever, that's their thing. I don't, I, that, 
I uh, see. I don't. I don't if like. You're that. a battered woman, which I know that's not a term that's used anymore. But nobody's going to give you shit if you want to donate money to a local shelter. I mean, that good for you. Domestic, Use your fucking money. A domestic abuse survivor. Yeah, yeah. If you have a specific cause, you know, if you grew up in a house where, like, you know, your parents were like mean to your dog or something, and you decide you want to donate the paws, more fucking power to you. You know, I got no fucking problem with that. Um, speaking of dogs. They had therapy dogs visit the congressional staffers during the oh impeachment my hearings. God. <laughs> Why? <laughs> and it kind of actually dawned. I mean, on no me. one's going to say no to a visit from a dog, no, so it's kind of like one not. of those things. Like, yeah, bring him in. Yeah, one hundred percent. But I just don't necessarily. It's fucked up because I actually kind of, on Hate some shoes. level. <laughs> No, on some <laughs> level. Before, on some level, before the show, he, he said several. I times. said no such thing. I said no such thing. I couldn't live in this fucking he repeated area. Repeated it quite. I loud. couldn't fucking work where I am. Trust me. Let me tell you. He was shouting it into a pillow. But, <laughs> but I um didn't want the neighbors to hear. Hey, I thought I'd break in with a little bonus content here as far as my thoughts on The Mandalorian, the new Star Wars show that's out for Netflix. Or no, not Netflix. It's actually on Disney+. Plus. Um, really, really great stuff. I mean, as both just a television fan and a Star Wars fan, I can't believe how good The Mandalorian is. Now, it's uh, showrun or directed, whatever the proper term is, by Jon Favreau who's had a lot of success with the comic book movies. So he kind of, I think, has an understanding in terms of telling those types of stories, which, you know, in many ways, Star Wars is a comic book, or um, if you want to take it to, like, another uh, level of genre, you know, a Tolkien type, um, with all the universe that's created and all the, you know, interlapping storylines and all that kind of stuff. So what Favreau's great at, I think, is being able to tell that type of story and that really shows in the Mandalorian and in some ways I hate to come at it with any kind of a negative thing but it makes me think that damn I wish that Favreau had had a shot at directing some of those new movies that came out you know the the Ray and and Force Awakens was okay um you know the Last Jedi uh less so but still not bad not bad and I'm very much looking forward to The Rise of Skywalker, and we'll see how that shakes out. But what's interesting to me is the fact that... And Chris, can we put the volume down on the TV for a second? I know you don't want to do this, but just for a second. Um, Chris has never really taken to Star Wars, but he really likes The Mandalorian. Now, obviously, part of that is Baby Yoda, which everybody loves Baby Yoda. Right? What percentage yeah. of it would you say is Baby Yoda? I feel like it, the show is about Baby Yoda. And well, it partly yeah, is. Yeah, but I feel like Baby Yoda is the main, the focal point. Like, Baby Yoda is just the best. Yeah, so everybody loves Baby Yoda, which of course I do as well. But um, it's a very good story. It, it's just this, you know, gunfighter in sort of a sci-fi uh, setting. 
the music's good, the scenery, the filmography, you know, cinema, cinematography, the whole thing. Yeah. And you're enjoying it, which in the past you've been sort of reticent to get into Star Wars. Yeah, uh, I've seen a couple movies, but... Um, well, you've seen... No, you have seen two. I've seen You've two. seen the original Star Wars. Yeah. And you've seen The Last Jedi. Yeah, which I like The Last Jedi. I have to see more, but Mandalorian is just really... It's just a really good story. It's I think it's really... <clears throat> You know, put together well, and I, I love it. You didn't like Star Wars, though, the first one from the 70s. Uh, no, I think Star Wars is something, like, the older movies is something you just have to, like, grow up with. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I think there is, there's a lot of things that are like that, so that's not a crazy thing. But you have agreed to watch The Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. All right, so at some that. point we'll have to have Chris review The Empire Strikes Back, which I'm scared of, because if you don't acknowledge that it's the best thing of all time, then... I don't know. How, we could we could still back out of the house, right? We could still back. <laughs> All right, anyway, so uh, Heaven's Very Good. I had to do a story, speaking of work, about therapy dogs and how they're changing the standards for what it is to train a therapy dog. And I said to myself, wait a second. This isn't like a seeing eye dog or like a, you know, bomb sniffing dog or like a fucking drug. Like this isn't, what the fuck are we talking about? Yeah. This is where you bring in like some nice dogs to like a, a hospital. Yeah. A nursing home. Bow, wow, wow, yippee-o, yippee So you, like a hurricane bombed out area. You bring in some dogs to people who are having a tough time. Yeah. What fucking training? What the fuck are we talking about? I... Yeah, I don't know what the therapy... What would you train a therapy dog for? Uh, to be a good dog, I guess? To be like a dog that likes being petted? Like, I understand training is seeing... That's not like... There's no special standards for that. At least there shouldn't be. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they, I don't. Maybe there's like... Uh... Make it a dog that doesn't fucking hate people. Oh, yeah, great. maybe. But like, may, I don't know. Maybe there are... Uh, like, so like, maybe they're trained to be the therapy dog for... Like, maybe they're trained to pay like attention to a person... Versus, like, if you put most dogs in a room, they would just be, like, yipping back and forth yeah, and telling everybody... Yeah, uh, you, you make some sense there. You make some sense. Maybe there is, you know, they they train it to some sort of specification where it's like, okay, now, everyone, sure, everyone loves dogs, but now we've got these dogs that we can specifically use for for this task. No, that, I mean, look, that could actually shoot my argument to, to bets. If, in fact, it's something about, like, having the dog, like, that, focus on one person. Yeah, that's what I would think. That kind of makes some cause sense. Because think of, like, if you have a room full of people and you, you put a dog in there, all over the fucking place. Yeah, maybe. maybe. You might get, if someone actively, like, pets it or something. Yeah, I might think get dogs it. tend if to want to. But, but, but if it's a therapy dog and it's it's got to go to the person who needs it, not the fucking guy who knows I the spot. I need that shit. You know, but you know what I mean? Like, cause like, yeah, sure. There's always someone who's like, oh yeah, knows how to find the spot behind the ear and give it a, you know, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. the, a, a normal fucking untrained dog might be like, all right, you're the guy. I'm going to hang out here. Whereas a therapy dog can, is, is more, maybe more, uh, maybe like, a more discerning. Power. Yeah. Yeah. You can like, you can I be think like, I like the first one more where it's focusing be on like, the one person. You can go to, <laughs> But like, like, the, so like, if you brought in therapy dogs or room people, you would put it to. They'd be like, "All right, all right, you're gonna be with Bob for a few minutes," mm. and the dog knows. Okay, until the handler comes and gets me, I'm with I'm Bob. With Bob. 
<laughs> and you are with Bob, as a matter of fact. Yes, and also with you. <laughs> uh so how about this um we'll stick with our sort of sports theme here um apparently the new york city criminal courts are offering mets tickets to people yeah who actually show up for their you know court hearing after they this posted is, bail uh, yeah what the fuck is this yeah, what the- <laughs> you nailed it the fuck is you this? nailed it what the fuck is this what it you no know, it should i mean Look, I I I agree, I agree with not putting people on fucking Rikers Island mm. unnecessarily, mm-hmm. but we shouldn't be if if you've been arrested for something and we're saying all right, you made you you, you know we're letting you we're letting you go you go home you come back on this court date right. your crime was not a not a massive threat to the community right, but right. it was a crime so just come back for your court date okay. That should be it. If they don't show up for their fucking court date, then we arrest them <laughs> right, right, yeah. and bring them to court. <laughs> I not, see, you know, one of the not things... we beg you to come. We say, look, if you show up, you know what I like we're about give you these Mets tickets. I like having these conversations sometimes because I feel like you, for the most part, are relatively um, moderate as far as political things go. I don't have a lust for justice. You don't have a lust for justice, but you're also, um, you're not, like, so far left that you can't oh, yeah, I just believe things in, yeah, from I, any perspective. I, be, I believe you know in, I, mean? I believe I prioritize individual freedoms, and then I look at everything else. But it's important for me, especially, I think, to have these kinds of conversations on a number of different levels, because I cover some of this crime for my job because I report yeah. on different New York City news stories. But I look at I look at uh, letting people out uh not not holding people in jail while they're awaiting trial as as a conservative a, a true conservative uh point because it's a right. limited government issue the government right. shouldn't have the right to keep you jailed uh, if you haven't been convicted of anything, Hades I think that should be. And the whole thing I think if you're a conservative, innocent until proven guilty. Yeah, and, that that should be like right. something that you cling to. Yeah. Um, however, in terms of lessening the standards or loosening the standards on bail yeah. and offering it, not offering it, whatever it may be, when it's a serious crime, yeah, that could potentially be a non-conservative position in terms of like being soft on certain. Alleged offenses. Um, yeah, but again, the the uh, the eff- to me the offense, and again, this is this goes towards being a conservative thing. The the offense should have to pose, and there should be a form some form of due due process for right. this, a pretrial hearing, whatever. Right. Uh, your ba- the bail hearing, right. which is where they should be. Uh, it should be determined through due process whether the offense constitutes uh, a serious threat. Yeah, society totally. Because being tough on crime, though it may be a Republican uh, position, is not necessarily a true conservative position. Right, but I think in terms of um, the majority of society defining, or, yes, uh, yes, let's, the, the, the uh, whatever the the contemporary that term, but maybe they yeah, do. The maybe accepted definition of a conservative and armed Absolutely. robbery yeah. or yes, yeah, those are all. I would say whatever. I would say that those are the kinds of things 
that if we have because the majority of people reason, used to at least look at it one way, that's conservative yeah, to say those those crimes keep those people locked those, up unless those are, they can post like a million those dollars are, bail. Those are crimes. Those are uh, they're physical crimes against another person. Right. Yeah, and those are the kinds of things that I think warrant that. Um, but the way know, it's going nowadays, the problem is because the louder the the sort of nowadays it's almost like the louder you are, the more power you have. Yeah. Yeah. And the bigger element of things is the group of people that say every aspect of law enforcement's racist. Every aspect of law enforcement is sort of like poverty versus not. And not to say That's, that there isn't parts of that that Yeah, there and, are, and there are definitely a louder majority that, that I think to the I think the I think there's there's some validity to the things that they say, mm-hmm. but they all exist. Which on a always scale. Give, that's what always gives people like that any sort yeah. of power is that if they have anything they say, which is sort of true. Yeah. Let's say, for example, in this case, that if you have money, you can work the system. Absolutely, right? yeah. almost everybody with a brain would agree with that. Find a because gr- you can you, or that some the cops the or that knows, some cops are dickheads knows what what fucking motions to to file. To get your fucking for sure. your fucking uh, initial once you make bail, you're fucking you're if you have a good attorney and you're a rich dude, he can fucking get. We'll push that trial back a good year. Hundred percent. Figure this shit out. Hundred percent. So at the same time, I I think that the the problem, you know, that you sometimes face is this notion that I lost my train of thought in terms of where I was going with this. I don't know. It sounds like you're going. You're questioning whether the uh, the system is inherently racist or classist. Right. So I guess my point is, just because there's examples of it, yeah, doesn't mean that it's inherently always that way, or even predominantly that way. And the problem is that because there's a lot of people who would rather not get involved, since they acknowledge that there are examples of abuse. That is what it is, and they're not going to put up a fight when anything other, you know, presents itself. When yeah, any, when any I, other example comes up. Yeah, so I think there are, I think there are an unfortunate. I don't. I it would. I would. I find the statement that like when people say like all cops are racist, I find that very bothersome. I think it's bullshit. But I think there are an unfortunate number of cops who are racist, and. That is a huge issue because of the power that they, that um, they're given, and I think that there's another aggravate sort of aggravating factor there is that there are a lot of people who overly value uh, the whole law and order thing, mm-hmm. who because of that mentality that hey, better safe than sorry. I really you know I'm all about you know. Pr- protecting myself, protecting my, you know, um, that kind of attitude are willing to give those cops a really, really wide berth Mm. when it comes to um, judging or criticizing their behavior. Right. Yeah, I mean, look, I I think that... So I think what that does is amplifies the impression that there is a... It's not... It may not so much be that every cop you see is racist. It's that... The, the amount of power that they have and that given the amount of cops there are out there, because think of all the levels of policing there are. Right. So that given these numbers, 
Uh, it creates a situation where there are there are going to be a good chunk of racists who are cops. They are people who have a lot of power. There are people who really value law enforcement beyond just being like, oh, yes, I very much appreciate what cops right. do. There are people who fucking worship law enforcement. Sure. So then, I- by extension, those people are going to be prone to looking at uh, police behavior that would otherwise be viewed as antisocial. They will be looking at it and saying, this is for the good of society. They're cops. They, they just right. gotta do what they got to do. And I think with all that being said, I feel as though most of the reforms and general momentum is a good thing in terms of, you know, making it harder to lock somebody up and uh, offering bail more often and, and um, you know, being uh, smart about the fact that there are times when the law is prejudicial against certain situations or people or whatever it may be. That's always good. But it can go too far. And I think that this whole world we're entering in now, which in New York City, it changes in January, the whole bail reform laws. It just, you create situations that you don't want. What are they letting people out for? It's basically, I think, more or less where it's going to be really hard to lock up um, teenagers, especially when it's like robbery. Uh, Armed robbery or like fucking larceny? Uh... I don't know if it necessarily um, spells that out because Robert, I think a lot like, of the time it has to do with the amount of, of I think it's the money that's involved. Obviously, if you if you if you stick a gun in somebody's face, that's a crime in and of itself. Yeah. But if you rob a certain situation, I think the way that they're doing it is they're changing um, what classifies as a misdemeanor and what classifies as a felony, and it has a lot to do with like the age that you are. And the amount of whatever the value of what you take okay. is. I mean, I guess I'd have I'd have to see you know what the specifics were because obviously, you know, you could, you know, you could go into a store and you could steal something very expensive, but you could do it, you know, grab it, stick it under your jacket, right? Or you could go in and fucking threaten everybody. Well, well, you know, I'll put whatever, it to you, you know. this way: the the more serious and sort of like threat to the community aspect of it is the yeah. age thing, because. Where sure, what you're seeing yeah, now is sure. a trend towards the gangs sort of employing the younger yeah, kids yeah, to do yeah. the shootings because it's harder to keep them locked up. Yeah, and they're using uh, like quote unquote youth facilities where Rikers used to be, where some of these people yeah. went, and now kids that probably did something that's not so bad, but they still have to go somewhere, are getting caught up with like legitimate gangbangers who would have been in Rikers. But instead, it's 15 to 20 of them that are beating the shit out of kids in, like, youth centers. Yeah. So, there's unintended consequences. You know what I mean? It's like, on some level, you have to be realistic and say, there's sometimes just sort of bad people who, yeah, maybe there are aspects of society that failed them or whatever. But what the fuck are the rest of us supposed to do when they're 19, 18, 17 years old and causing fucking havoc? I mean, you, you can't... You can't legislate the the sins of history in real time. You know what I mean? Like even if you acknowledge yeah. that there's some problems with aspects of society, yeah. this this whole ultra uber progressive thing where it's like every aspect of law enforcement is then racist or wrong is like yeah. no, well no, that doesn't. Fly. Well, if look, I mean, if the, like if the state it totally legislates if, mor- morality out of it, if the state is keeping anyone in custody, they do have a responsibility to look out for that person's safety. While they are in custody. Yeah. So if you're saying, like, Rikers sucked, sure, yeah. that's fair. And it 
does it does and 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 you know needs to be changed and all that and everybody most people would agree with that yeah but there's also this like countervailing like aspect of things where people say like it's almost like any jailing or any arrest or anything yeah. is wrong and yeah. it's like no no yeah, like, again there's still think... people who are doing bad things even if they faced rough circumstances because not everybody's doing it yeah and so that's the reason do, society again... isn't a fucking loony bin yeah, you're. I think you're. You're. Um, you're right to be like. To, I think everyone. There should be a way where bail is not denied without due process. Mm-hmm. But we should make sure. Like, yeah, it should. It's any all like. Any, it's any time the government comes in contact with an individual freedom, which you know the right. You know, I think part of due process. Is the right to not be locked up when you haven't been convicted. So, putting a person behind bars before they've been convicted for something should only occur um, after the the the, you know strenuous application of due process and some sort of standard that you're holding a crime to or the alleged crime. Yeah, 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 the the and taking everything into account, age, the alleged crime, you know, all of that shit. You know, even you know if. You know, a a a, a fifteen well, year old kid. Say a fifteen year old kid threatens uh, a classmate with you know his dad's hunting rifle. You know, if you can put a fucking ankle bracelet on that kid and keep him at his parents' house, and you know whatever, like they you'd have to fucking make them lock up their guns or whatever, whatever the fuck. Um, you know, again, like I think. Well, that's part of the problem is that a lot really of these the these government laws take away any of the discretion yeah. for the judge. Yeah. And they actually say, if the person's X age, X charge, X number of counts, whatever, they're not to be held. Yeah. And the judge could be sitting there thinking, this isn't good news. I don't like this whole situation. Tough shit. Because the law yeah. says you're not allowed to hold somebody under these circumstances. I think one of the biggest problems is that yeah. we both, on some there should of be society it should give, be like, judges ultimate call and then in other situations they don't have any say yeah i think and I, I you know i don't i think the judges should have to like and it should again you know we the, every every element of our government needs to have like a check and a balance to it so i don't you know yeah absolutely put it to the discretion of the judges and then we need a fucking check on the power of the judge so it can't be that this fucking judge hey look he's got a pad like there should be like some sort of review process to look at the way judges are putting people so we could, you know, so if there is a question about it, we can say, hey, uh, we got an issue, this fucking guy, and, you know, there should be, yeah, there should be, a, again, a process where the priority is due process and the protection of the rights of the accused um, so long as there is not a serious threat to society. yeah. yeah. Um, a serious physical threat. But yeah, right, exactly. All right, last thing, a little bit of a, a law enforcement topic. So we'll, we'll finish with that since it connects. Uh, there was this woman who was arrested for selling churros on a New York City subway. And yeah. She didn't have a food permit, which yeah. nobody really does in a subway. You're not allowed to ever sell food yeah. in a subway. I mean, I guess unless it's like one of those little bodega newsstand things that has like chips or something yeah, like that. Yeah, I'm sure that. they're yeah. licensed. Yeah, that's yeah. different. 
but you don't have like food vendor permit. Like you yeah, can't have a hot air dog down cart. There is probably not. <laughs> so um, I'm not eating one of those churros. You know what I mean? Like I don't want to eat something that comes from the subway. I'm I'm probably. And I don't even think I trust those churros to begin with. I'm probably not. Although I mean, I've eaten street meat from so many fucking south Southeast Asian countries that you know. Um, <laughs> no, I, so it's a, yeah, it's, it's a weird thing. So like, obviously like the subways are, that's city property. So they should ultimately be able to, um, license or decide, whatever. decide how things are done yeah. down there. Actually, I think that's technically state property because it's the yeah, So, so a place like that, like, I think it's up, you know, it's the, the owner decides what goes, goes on on it and, and that should be it. Um, I don't, I generally, if you want to eat a churro from a woman selling churros on the subway, I don't have a fucking problem with it. That I probably won't be spending my money on on one mm-hmm. and you know rolling the. Di- I will tell you this: I was tempted before with the mango bags outside of the World Trade Center. Yeah, on a summer's day. Oh no! I yeah. love mango. Oh, I bu- so I buy shit a little from- baggie of mango. Yeah, it I looked buy, delish. I buy shit from street vendors all the time. I don't have. I, that's I don't take issue with that. Um, for me, it's specifically the subway location. I speak the air. I don't want to eat anything that's, you know. Really yeah, see, I, I'm, I'm right there with you. The, um, the mango was above ground. Yeah, above ground. Yeah, no issue. No, my, um, I'm, I, I understand that, hey, this is, you know, because if you buy something from a vendor down there, it was, you know, all of a sudden someone's suing the fucking MTA because they got sick or whatever. Right, exactly. Like, I get that they're, they are looking out for, look, this is, this is government property. You can't come onto our property and, and do this. Mm-hmm. This is, we control this and we're telling you, get the fuck out of here. Mm-hmm. If, you know, if she was getting busted up on the street for just doing it. But don't you think that in many ways, this is just policing poverty, going after a woman of color, going after a woman for her for her immigration status. This is a um, woman who's trying I know, to I, leave I, our mamas and our abuelas yeah. alone. Yeah, I mean, I... I, I do also understand how it's annoying to have and kind of f- fucking ridiculous. To, was she arrested? Uh, well, she had gotten a ticket for the eleventh time. Yeah, and she refused to. She they said you're going to get another ticket, or you're going to get give us your cart, and she refused both. So they took her into custody. I think every time they should just fucking eject her. Just come by every day and so. In other words, you like so. In other words, you like State Senator Jessica Ramos saying, "Leave our mamas and our abuelas alone." You like that she said that? I think she's probably fucking overacting like a jackass. (laughs) But that should drive me crazy. I also don't think that a woman should be arrested and have her just because. I mean, if you're going to repeatedly break the law, sure, but they shouldn't be able to. They shouldn't be able to confiscate your property over it. I, yeah, just it's because it's it's not a law that puts you know. There's no grave danger here. Just fucking eject her every day until she gets sick of it. She'll get sick of it eventually. You, the cops are on the job; they're working. Just fucking eject her every day. Eject her every day. She can sell her shit somewhere yeah. else. Well, you know, if you were Sergeant Montone, that's how you would have approached it. Absolutely, that's how you would have approached it. And from a PR perspective, it's better. That's from a, a, a community police relationship. That's better. Mm-hmm. This this wouldn't this story wouldn't have gone viral if they hadn't arrested her. Probably. That's fair. That's probably true. But you know, there is there is a responsibility. But if you were kicking her out of the sta- if you were kicking her out of the station every day, yeah. then you're not leaving their mamas and their abuelas alone. 
Uh, we are. That's and that is no. the yeah, sure we are. Letter. Sure we are. Living there. We're absolutely uh, doing that. She uh, she simply has to do it off of uh, subway property, and and that's that. That's Sergeant Monton. She is Sergeant Monton. We're not going to arrest. The her. customers are down there on the track. This is New York City. It's a city of eight million people. <laughs> there are plenty upstairs as well. By the way, he's got a coffee mug. He's got the glasses right now. He is Sergeant Monton. Yeah. So. That. Anyway, um, all right. Well, I guess we've determined that the the Mets tickets is not exactly the uh, best no, idea for uh, yeah. And um, all right. So anyway, most American podcast ever created. He's Mike Montone. I'm James Flippin. Uh, what remind us again because we haven't done the plugs in a while that where people can find your. Oh stuff. yeah, um, at Mike Montone on Twitter at Gary underscore Moiler M O Y L E R on Instagram. And Facebook.com slash The Savage Crew. And uh, my podcast, The Savage Sack Tap, is available at thesavagecrew.libsyn, L-I-B-S-Y-N.com. All right. And we'll catch you next time on the most American podcast ever created. Heaven's very good. The presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Oh, here's your blessing. The most American podcast ever created. You sick fuck. Apparently, the New York City criminal courts are offering Mets tickets to people. Yeah. Who actually show up for their, you know, court hearing after they posted is, bail. Yeah, what the fuck is this? Yeah, what the- <laughs> No, it should... I mean, I agree with not putting people on fucking Rikers Island Mm. unnecessarily. Mm -hmm. If they don't show up for their fucking court date, then we arrest them (laughs) and bring them to court. (laughs) This has been a Flippin' Out Radio production. The preceding was a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Find our other great shows on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and at radiomisfits.com. Thank you. Thank you.